Welcome to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, your home for everything related to marathon canoe racing. Now, it's time to get your paddles wet with your hosts, Kevin Olson and Bill Mahaffey. Take it away, boys. Welcome back, race fans, to episode 51 of the CanoeRaceWorld.com, the podcast show. I feel like it's a Snoop Dogg montage because it's the la-da-da-da-da, last Triple Crown race of the year. Rebecca Davis, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so looking forward to leaving for uh, Quebec in two days. And I'm really excited that we have a fresh entry list to go off of for tonight. It makes it a lot easier to make our predictions. I, I got to tell you, on the entry list, isn't it so cool that they highlighted the women's names in pink? I was like, hey, I can actually see and figure out who's who on this thing. It was great. Yeah, it's uh, actually the classic this year for their 90th edition is highlighting um, the women's field in general. So they've given a lot of promotion to the women's and mixed teams, a little bit of extra prize money into some of those races, and then also have lowered the entry fees for the women. So they're really doing a lot to promote women paddling up there. And uh, it's exciting to see all three races kind of having their own unique take on that this year. But it seems like every year we're doing a little bit more to build that race up. Right on, right on. Ryan Matthews, how are you tonight, sir? I am excellent, having just came home from watching a great mile race, and uh, really looking forward to talking some more canoe racing. This was the mile race weekend here in Michigan, the 21st Mile First Dam Challenge. Uh, It was a really, I I don't want to say a sentimental moment, but kind of a sentimental moment as the torch was passed from the Smutex onto a the the paddles uh danny and cecily did a fantastic job with that show and um for for those of us from that community it it was pretty uh, i don't know it was just kind of a an emotional moment so yeah and and they did a great job with the show it was a lot of fun so yeah yeah it was a great weekend for sure for sure let's get into the the last triple crown race of the year though la classique de canoe de la maurice or as we call it here in the states the classique uh rebecca i know that there's been some course changes things like that that paddlers should be aware of um as well as some river conditions fill me in with your latest uh intel on the situation at hand so one thing that's consistent about the classic that's a little bit different than the other two triple crown races is the course i would say probably 88 of the years has not been the same two years in a row Um, at least for the last 15 or 20 that I've been going up there every year there's some changes and this year's no exception Uh, the most notable one is uh, so we have three stages three days Um, the first stage is going to be about six hours the second stage will probably be somewhere between four and five and the third stage will be three, three and a half, depending on your team speed. But that second stage is going to finish on the Portage, uh, which was formerly called the Boulevard. Uh, They moved the location of the Portage a little bit to accommodate the Rabascas also getting to run. And with that, there will be no put-in after the Portage. They will actually finish running across on the second day. 
Um, I do believe they've had stages finished like that before, but it may be since the 70s that that happened. And I could be wrong. My fact-checking is just talking to my dad. (laughs) (laughs) So a little bit of a throwback for their 90th race. Yeah, and and this is... uh, it's it's a little bit of a throwback in that it's um, having that uh, portage right at the finish, but it's it's a different location than, tr- than the traditional boulevard that um, we've probably seen pictures and videos on. Uh, this this section of road is it's the same street uh, right next to the riverfront, but it's a little bit further down. Um, not quite as much, I guess, what I would call in the old town. It's a little more open there, so it should accommodate the larger boats. Um, getting off the water and then being able to run. Uh, The other thing that is kind of in flux right now is the river is very high. Uh, So high that at the La Festival they changed the course for that, uh, which would have been the second day or most of the second day of Classic. Uh, They decided to change that course to be a little more friendly for the different types of crafts um, with the water being so high. Uh, it looks like tomorrow night, so we are recording on a Sunday, it looks like on Monday they will make the final decision on what course they're going to use for day three. Um, they may not go through the rapids to forge uh, if the water continues to stay this high. I think the rapids themselves aren't so much the problem as the put-in uh, below Lagabelle portage and also the railroad trestle bridge uh, maybe two, maybe two miles above the takeout for the Lagabelle Portage. Those two spots can be really, really turbulent with like a lot of whirlpools. And uh, if the race committee deems it unsafe, I believe the plan is to have the race end um, or to do the third day, like kind of more of a lap course in Schwinnigan. Although, again, my information there's a little bit fuzzy, and we won't really know till tomorrow. Interesting. So that will definitely change things up if the course changes Um, or it could really impact the race if it stays the same and we just have high, rough, turbulent water and the competitors go through there. Uh, I I would dare say that there are some competitors in the field that are more adept or potentially better at rough, turbulent waters than others. So that could really impact the outcome depending as to which way that goes. And we won't like, as of this recording, we don't know. The competitors won't know until tomorrow, sometime maybe Tuesday-ish. Um, boy, that's good stuff. And Mike and I were talking about that earlier today. I We feel that, like, maybe the top three, four, or five teams may not be that affected by the course change. Uh, but it could affect some of the teams in, like, what we'll call the mid-pack. Because it may cause the front of the field to be more of a pack race. So if someone that's kind of in the middle can get on that front pack and maybe get that separation, now there's not these portages and other paddling elements to kind of close those gaps. uh, Where typically on the third day, the front guys will go pretty hard because they want to get over the portage first. Um, So the first 15 or 20 minutes, they're really pushing the pace to get clean entry to the portage, uh, which there may not, that may not be an issue uh, if it ends up being a lap race. But that is actually the the laps on day three were traditional um, for a number of years. I know 
my mom raised a few times in the 90s and she never went through the rapids to forge so they always did the final day in Schwinnigan so I think uh, it's pretty traditional to have a, a course changes at Classic, and this year is no ex exception. That That is one really cool thing about Classic is that they are very open to those course changes. Um, they're, they're not stuck on this is how it has to be. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ryan, let's, uh, let's jump into the NACPR. <laughs> um, I know you worked hard on preparing these things uh, kind of on short notice for us, which we greatly appreciate. Um, why don't you give us a rundown of, uh, well, wherever you think the break point should be? All right. Well, the uh, top 10 has been popular this year. So uh, why don't we do roughly top 10? Because uh, the break point for this appears to be right around 11th. Uh, this is untweaked because I didn't have a lot of time to prepare this. Um, just so everyone's aware. Uh, so projected to be 11th place is uh, Ivan English and Edith McHattie. Uh, projected to be 10th is Vincent Bellamare and Anthony Mascott. Uh, projected to be 9th is Francis Trudel and Simon Pierre Lacombe. Uh, projected to be 8th is Michael Schlemmer and Rial Carrier. Uh, projected to be 7th uh, Guy Rousseau and Jeremy Levier. I think that's how you pronounce that. Uh, projected to be sixth per the NACPR is Ev Chamberlain and Louis Simon Pernot. Uh, fifth place, uh, Pio Canel and Christian Charette. Uh, fourth place, we have Christophe Marchand and Jimmy Pellerin. Uh, projected to be third, but not far behind, is uh, Mike Davis and Guillaume Blay. Um, we have our second place projected team to be Ryan Halstead and Christophe Pru, and projected to be the 2023 Classic champions is Wesley Dean and Steve Lejoie. Well, Bill, who do you who who do you think got left out of that top ten? Wait. I I think the one that really stands out to me is Ryan Stepka and uh, Mike Vincent. i guessing because the NACPR is totally data and there's not a whole lot of results, things of that nature. To, to me, they're the obvious one. And I, I kind of have them like in the, the top five. Um, for, for me, I think Vincent is just so smart and so intelligent. And Stepka is a really amazing paddler. Um, I don't see them outside of the top eight, and I truly believe they've got a really good shot at top fiving this thing. Um, they're, they're the one that really stands out to me probably more than anything else, or I guess anyone else, because we're talking about human beings here. Um, that, that was my big one. What about you, Rebecca? Another team that's sitting just outside on the NACPR is Luke Mercier and Guillaume Dosset. And I have no idea if they'll break into it or not, but I think they've got a good chance based on their results in the shorter races uh, this in August. They've been hanging on to kind of the, uh, if the first pack contains uh, Christophe Pru and partner, maybe in Guillaume Blay and partner, and then uh, Christophe Marchand and Jimmy Pellerin in the short races, those guys seem to be like right up there in that next group. Uh, so I'd be looking for them to, to potentially have a good one. 
I think within that top 10, a team that we really don't know much about is Mike Schlimmer and Real Carrier. Uh, they have Mike is going to go bow and Real go stern. But uh, it'll be really interesting to see how they match up, especially with how well Mike's been racing all season. Yeah, for sure. The NACPR had them in eighth. I think that's a team that could slide into... Uh, on my own personal list, I have them in sixth, which is kind of an interesting discussion in that uh, given the course, the conditions, like this could be a two-dog race. This could be a six-dog race, uh, just kind of in my mind as to how things are going to play out up there. Um, I, I think if you can see two teams get away, you're going to see two teams get away. And if two teams can't get away and there's three teams involved, which we've seen throughout the first two legs of the Triple Crown at this point, well, then nobody's going to want to go. Like, that's just my my gut soul read, which then brings along uh, fourth, fifth, sixth, possibly seventh and eighth. Um, we could have a, a great big pack race up there. And that's a that's a team that for sure could be up in that discussion. Where did what was their range, Ryan? For Michael and Real? Yeah. Uh, eighth through ninth, per eighth the ninth. Uh, per the rough data. Okay. Um, was there anybody else on the the rough data that could be as high as say eighth? Uh, Francis Trudel and Simon Pierre. Um, I don't believe Simon has or Simon Pierre has raced in a few years, but um, when he was last racing, he was he was doing pretty good, especially in the Class E. Uh, they have a range of 8th through 11th, so there's kind of a, a pack of boats there. Um, one maybe to mention, just because uh, they were, it looks like in the top 15 in the Classic last year, is uh, uh, Christian Marchand and Daniel Gilinas. Um They beat out Luke and Guillaume uh, Doucet last year by about a minute, so they should be right in that, right in that pack where they're kind of projected. Okay, so that that gives us a field rundown. Um, what do you think? Should we jump into the mixed race field from there? Yeah, I, I think so because that's one thing uh, I think the N- NACPR might have wrong. Ooh, shots fired! Shots fired! <laughs> you heard it here. Go ahead, give it to us, Rebecca. I. So for my pick to win the uh, mixed division, I have Ivan English and Edith McCaddy. Uh, they're currently, if you look at what our NACPR untweaked is telling us, um, they're going to be somewhere between three and six positions behind Ev and uh, Louis Simon. And I do think it'll be a good mixed race. Um, Ev has had a great triple crown so far, and, and Louis Simon had a really strong Clinton had to pull out of the marathon, unfortunately, but, you know, they've been impressive each in their own right, but I think uh, Ivan and Edith don't have any, I don't think they have any results together as a team. Ivan hasn't been in quite some time, and I believe almost all of Edith's results now have to be women's, so she probably doesn't have too many mixed races coming into her totals now, and I know they've been training together all summer, and 
they're both incredibly strong paddlers, so I'm looking for them to win the mixed, but I'm hoping it's a close race that'll be fun to watch. Okay, I you, would totally uh, agree with that. Go ahead, Ryan. As I say, you are correct, uh, Rebecca. Edith's uh, NACPR is based on three um, women's races, and her fastest time, which was in the marathon with you, just dropped off with this year's marathon. And also, highest percentage, I mean. Yeah. I gotcha. And we also have like a little, I think those two teams are like the clear one, two, at least on paper. Uh, but a little bit further back, we have a couple more teams that, that look like they're uh, going to be fun to watch. Potential to be spicy there? Yeah. Um, this year we have Rosalie Freon and Antoine uh, Rolou probably pronounced that wrong sorry uh racing mix together and also joe schlimmer and sylvie nadu um, joe and sylvie probably we have lots of results with them racing together but i don't think they've raced classic together before and rosalie has been a very strong paddler and then took a few years off and now she's back and it just sees it seems like every week her and her and antoine are just kind of moving up a little bit so I think that could be a, a pretty good battle for the third spot in the mixed field. Yeah, I would agree. I see that as a uh, a good race for the the third spot, uh, for the 3-4. Um, and then in fifth, we should have uh, Greg Zofi and Deb Brax. I believe the bonus money goes five spots deep up at the Classic de Canu de Lomoris. So eh, that gives us our mixed field. Um, on the women's side of things, uh, why don't we let the lady, Rebecca Davis, give us a rundown there. All right. So in first place in the women's field, we have Michelle Laprade and Sarah Lazard. Second place, we have Katie Peck and Lydia Heelskamp. Third place, Tina Pham and Caroline Fortin. And fourth place, Jolene. We're going to go with Jolene C. And uh, Allison Dennis. So, Ryan, do you have any any insight on, on that race? Uh, well, Sarah and Michelle, obviously, should be uh, very quick, uh, very strong paddlers. Uh, Sarah's, if I'm not mistaken, won the women's race at the Classique before. And... Uh, I believe Michelle may have as well. Uh, Katie and Lydia have been moving really well um, all season. They had, they had a pretty good marathon of uh, separate partners. And, um, yeah, it should be a fun one to watch. I do believe Michelle and Sarah should win that, though. I would tend to agree. I think uh, Katie and Lydia, I think, will be a really solid women's team. And I'm super excited. This will be Katie's first classic, Lydia's second. Um, but I know Katie does a lot of outrigger paddling and some rough water. So I think she'll really enjoy it up there. And I can't wait to hear how their race experience goes. Uh, I think I think it should be a good one. For sure. That is a canoeraceworld.com, the podcast show favorite team right there um to the point where i may have mailed some stickers out to them a couple days ago <laughs> you know and hopefully they make it in time 
I'm very excited to hear from both of them as to how their classic goes. And we may have to get uh, that team on over the winter. I, I just like hearing race recap stories. And I think that would be a, a good couple of guests to get on for. Uh, hey, how was your classic? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think one thing that's worth mentioning as well, because um, we, we get to look at all this NACPR data that you guys aren't able to see, is Michelle and Sarah are project, projected to be definitely within the top 20, um, and maybe close to the top top 10. So it would be really exciting to see a women's team, like see how high a women's team could go. And uh, I I'm excited for them. They've been having really good races together and they seem really happy with the pairing. For sure. And we, we got a look here at Michelle here in, uh, in Michigan. It was fun to see her and Ryan, uh, step come down, uh, for the paddle hard rampage. And, uh, I, I would definitely say that that is somebody that is very comfortable in turbulent waters and in big water. Um, that should be a good team. It'd be, it'd be really, really cool if they could crack top 10. And, uh, I'm going to guess 12th to 15th, 16th, somewhere in there, but man, top 10 would be insane and they could pull it off. I was going to ask you, Bill, are there any other teams that you're really excited to watch uh, in this year's 90th edition of the Classic? It's funny you mention that because I was about to ask you the same question. There is. I am really excited to see uh, Greg Zofi and Deb Brax going up as, as a pair of veterans over 60 making their rookie debut. At La Classique de Canoe de la Maurice. Like, I think that is very cool. And it just shows you that, like, anytime is the right time to go race a Triple Crown race and to step out of your comfort zone and go do something different. Um, the Classique, I think, at this point is, what, 34 teams as of right now signed up. And this is a, a pair of paddlers that have never did Classique before. Um, they've had a great Triple Crown. They're good people. They're good paddlers, well-respected within the community. And I'm really like talk about having Katie and Lydia on. I'd really like to have those two on the show because I'd like to hear how their class E can just how their season in general went. So, what about you, Ryan? Who do you have circled? Uh, I'm looking forward to watching Dan Mecklenburg and and Peter Heed. Um, they should be one of the top veterans teams, um, if not the top veterans team. Uh, you know, Peter. Peter's in his 70s and never seems to slow down any. And and Dan is a really strong paddler from Ohio. And and they've both had really solid races in the past. And now they're racing together. It should be a fun one to watch. And, uh, How about you, Rebecca? Oh, uh, I picked uh, Dave and Renault Fajul. Uh, I always love watching a parent-child team, and I know I've had them circled in several races this year, but I'm going to stay consistent. I'm going to pick them. I I think they're, you know, they're getting better in every race that they do, gaining more confidence, and I, I'm excited to see where they shake out. Another fun team there, for sure. It's always fun watching the, uh, as a father with a paddling son, the father-son team. All and good we, teams to watch. Yeah, and all all paddlers that we just picked are uh, amongst the 23 so far that uh, will be going for the Triple Crown, the entire Triple Crown this year. Is that a higher number than most years, Ryan, or consistent with what we've seen? 
Oh, I should have known you'd ask me that. Uh, let me take a look. I think that's right around average that we've been having the last handful of years anyway. Okay. Yeah, We're last year we had 21, so. Yeah. And I do think there will be a few more teams signing up for Classic, uh, just based on looking at results from up there and then, it, you know, just anecdotal from talking to a few other paddlers, uh, looking for equipment, asking for guidebooks and things like that. It's, it sounds like there are a few more coming up, uh, or I would expect to enter at this point. So that's... It's always exciting to see that number go up a little bit in the final days. Classic's a little bit different because I think a lot of people wait until after a marathon to partner up. And uh, then also the registration opens a little bit closer to the race than the other two. So people kind of get their ducks in a row with that closer to race day. So we could be teasing uh, right around 40-ish teams. How, how does that feel? Uh, does anybody have the data relative to the last, say, half a decade or so? I think that would be a slight increase. I believe it would be a slight increase. Let me look. Okay, so participation is up. Slight increase. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, on that note, let's jump into the winner picks. Let's really talk about how how can the race shake out. Um, Rebecca, why don't you kick us off? And I'm guessing, just a, just a guess, but I'm guessing you're going to want Mike Davis and Guillaume Blay to be the winner. And I would anticipate you to be. Why don't you walk us through what Mike and Guillaume need to win the race? All right, yeah, I'm a, I'm definitely picking uh, from the home team here and going with Mike and Guillaume for the win. Uh, they've been third in the last two Triple Crown races, but I think even the marathon versus the Clinton, they've shown improvement and they've shown that they're scrappy. <laughs> so I'm, I, I think they can finish it out strong. I think that tactically the race suits them a little bit better. It's probably going to be more of a pack style race and they're both very experienced with that i think the three days suits them well i also think that they're the most balanced when it comes to like the skills that they have they're going to be good in rough water they're going to be good if it's a tailwind they're going to be good if it's high water they're going to be good at portaging i know they portage really well so i think all of those things kind of together there's just enough variables that suit their skill set and I, I hope for a rough year. I think all of the top guys tend to want a rough year because it creates separation. So it's like even if you end up being second or third, you're like at least I'm like comfortably second or third. But I think that would really benefit them a lot because uh, they, they are two of the best in that type of condition. So I think there's a, a clear path for them to win if things play out right but this race more than the other two i think the strongest team will win just because it's three separate stages and it's really hard to get lucky on three days like you can have one really good day and and win a big race i mean you have to be ready to be lucky right i'm saying that constantly but it's really hard to put three good days together if you're not the top team right it's also hard to get lucky three days in a row 
exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. Oh, I was just I was just going to mention, you know, Mike is half of the defending champions from last year, and Guillaume has won the the Classic before as well. So I mean, they have experience winning this race. It's true. And this is a race I would I would say more than the. More than the other two, I'll just put it out there. More than the other two, I think experience really matters at Classic. It, it just races different in my mind from talking to people and understanding the race than what the other two Triple Crown races do, just because there is a lot more tactics involved, and it's a three-day stage race. I mean, am I wrong there, Rebecca? Is this a race where experience and knowledge really comes into play? I think so. I think it's important with all three the marathon in particular, I think you can sometimes get away on fitness because it's just so long that, you know, compared to the other two races, it's just a lot longer of day. So I think sometimes the, the fitness will really play out there where it may not in the other two. But the, the classic, it's really knowing when to sit back and let the and be patient for the race and then knowing when you really need to go and being confident to make that move. Uh, I do think that's one thing that we've been really treated to this year with the top three teams racing all three triple crown races and being relatively tight is we really get to see those dynamics play out and, and nobody's giving up, you know, even, even when they're down and out or behind, uh, we saw in the first stage, uh, Chris and Ryan, come back from what looks like dead about halfway through the race and then surging up to second place. We saw in the marathon, Mike and Guillaume looking like dead <laughs> and surge up to third, but like closing quickly on second place and even the winners for, for part of the race. And I, I think that's what we're really getting a treat to see those top teams be so aggressive and, and all really having the confidence that they can win. I think a lot of years, you know, you you might have a one, two, three that will finish close together, but it kind of feels like a foregone conclusion just because of the way that the teams tactically handle the race. And these three teams are coming out swinging in all of the big races so far, and I expect the same coming up next weekend. For sure, for sure. Ryan, give us the uh, the NACPR favorite and what you see as a path to victory there. Oh, the NACPR favorite is uh, West Dean and Steve Lejoie. Um I mean, Steve Lejoie's resume speaks for itself. Uh, he's one of the winningest paddlers of all time, um, and you don't you don't do that unless you're extremely good. And uh, you know, obviously, Wes just won the marathon with Steve. Uh, about a month ago um so they've they've got the speed they also won the clinton earlier this year uh so they you know on, on paper they are the favorites they are the ones to chase and beat i don't think you can ever count steve out in this race i've watched several races either while i'm racing or before where i don't i wasn't even confident that he was in the fastest canoe like they weren't the fastest team pure speed but he's been able to figure out how to hit the other other teams where it hurts and and get the break when he needs it uh, and he's really really aware of when you need to push and when you need to relax and 
typically the third day, if he's got a lead, he's not going to lead into the finish. He's going to finish on the second place team's turn just to kind of play it safe. And I think uh, you really get to see with that three-day format how, how, I guess, crafty and how, how you can put that race win together. Now, the third day is really the that's that's the day that is kind of up in the air. Right. Uh, we may see the the rapids. We've got the really high love levels of, of water in that area. Um, it may get modified into loops, things of that nature. Could that have an impact on the outcome of the race and Steve's strategy to finish this thing out? I, I mean, I've studied this for, for a bit on paper and it seems like you're absolutely correct. He builds up his lead on day one, day two, and day three, he's very, like, let's just protect the, the W overall. Um, what what happens there with, with Wes in that situation? I think if, I think the race will probably be decided between the top three in the first two days. Okay. There's just enough, there's enough different elements that if you get some wind with the portages with there is some suck water sections on the first day that you can kind of get a break at times uh, usually it breaks those first two days i don't know if i've seen a race really come down to the third day for the win and uh and maybe, but maybe this year it could. I mean, geez, these three teams have been so tenacious that it would really, that would be really interesting if it came down to day three for like a, a decisive move. Say these teams are within five or 10 seconds of each other. More than 10 seconds, while it sounds really close, it starts to get pretty hard to, to get that on day three unless someone makes a big mistake. Outside of a big oops. Right, right. Went interesting. Before. One thing that might be worth uh, pointing out to our listeners uh, in the Triple Crown era, which is 1992 to present, um, nobody's won the Classique more than Steve Lajoie. He has 12 wins since 92. Serge has 11. Andy Trebold has 10. And Steve is also tied with Serge for the most wins in the Triple Crown era at 37. Just something to point out. <laughs> wow. So he's, yeah, I, I don't know how important that is to him, but this is literally his chance to, to Break take the sole possession. Yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's very interesting. Uh, while we're on a triple crown note, I got to ask this question. Has any team won the first two legs and lost the third? Ooh. Did the year that Tim and Al win it, did they win with the third day? I can't recall. I don't know. I, I don't know. Some, something to think about and uh, and look into. But I'm telling you right now, if there's a team that can bust up, hey, you won the first one, you won the second one, you're not going to win the third one. I think it's Ryan Halstead and Christoph Pruel. Uh, this is a team that has gotten better throughout the triple crown season. Um, they're primed to win. Christoph has been up there training and learning from, from the goat, from Serge Corbin himself. Um, and you're not going to get a better, um, coach or mentor in this race outside of him. Um, 
for winning Classic. You can see it all the way down to the, the subtle changes in his stroke, uh, things of that nature. Halstead looks absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, they, they had a, a little bit of a an erratic um, General Clinton. They had a, an incredible uh, ensemble. And, and really, it was, uh, I think Rebecca mentioned, you know, all three of these teams have just come out swinging. Um, it, it was a matter of just body blow after body blow between those teams in the ensemble. And, and finally, the, the, the accumulation of the body blows um, showed itself, you know, from foot down. Um, as Westine and Steve Lejoie took over, well, we're we're not going to have that. It's not 120 miles. It's now a three-day stage race. And of those three teams, I think Christoph and Ryan can probably sprint better than the other two. They've got that level of just pure punch and speed. Um, so I look for them to have a good shot at winning the race to those portages um, and then also to win the race right at the end. Right. Uh, that that seems to be the like the moment to create the separation and go. Um, when we look at the bow paddlers involved, um, you've got Christoph, who clearly knows what he's doing. Uh, Mike Mike Davis, former champion of this race, knows what he's doing. Um, and then you've got Westine. Um, Wes has been the bow paddler that's won the last two Triple Crown races. But is he as good at knowing when that moment is and just trusting himself to go? And I think that's what it's going to come down to, um, is knowing when to go and then trusting yourself and going. Um, and I think Christoph is going to be the bow paddler that can do that in this mix. Um, the, the, the question marks for that team, you know, how, how are they going to do in rough water? Um, if you look at a, like a Ryan Halstead, well, no, if you look at Ryan Halstead, let me rephrase that. He tends to ride a little further forward. Um, he's going to need to make a mental note to slide back on that seat and, and anchor that stern a little bit. If the water is a, a little turbulent, um, and I think they're the team that can do it. I think they're going to steal La Classique de Canu de la Maurice. Um, what do you two think? They have a solid shot. I mean, they're both triple crown champions. Uh, neither one has won the Classique before, to if I remember correctly. But they are they are very fast. Uh, you can never count out either of them, and you know they've. They've been within striking distance this year and and other years, so I mean, I, there's a good chance. It just speaks to the experience of all three teams. Uh, you know, we've got triple crown champions in all three <laughs> that have, you know, really mixed it up with different partners and have just done a lot of racing. And I think it does. What well, that's one of the things that makes it just so hard to call, uh, but so so fascinating to watch. Um, I do think we should mention uh, the NACPR. We've got one other champion in our top four, four um, Jim Pellerin with Christoph Marchand. Um, Jimmy has won this race at least twice. Twice. Twice, yeah. And he's uh, back in the stern this time. And I think, uh, you know, it's hard to see them breaking in past those top three that have been so consistent but this you know this will be Christoph's first triple crown race of the year so he's really you know Jimmy raced 
in the spring and then no did he race yeah yeah he raced at the clinton with ryan zavarell uh so it'll be interesting to see them as a fresh team coming into this with all the other three coming off the marathon yeah, Jimmy won the Classic in 2019 with Steve Lajoie, and then he won it in 2021 with Guillaume Blay. And uh, Christophe uh, Marchand, he's had a, a third place and a fourth place finish in the last two years. So they'll, they could be in the mix as well. Yeah, I don't know about could. I, th- I would go with will. Um, that's a, a team outside of the top three that, that none of us had specifically to win, but they absolutely have everything that it takes, all the tools to win. Um, Marshawn's wingspan and his his paddle stroke, like this dude can chew up a lot of water. Um, he looks like he's just built for the big water. Um, and then Jimmy's been there and won this thing twice, so that's that's definitely a team right there. Rebecca, bring us home with your fifth place pick. Who do you have? Oh man, it's it's a tough one. I so on paper, I think I have Ryan Stepka and Mike Vincent. Uh, I don't have them as really a, a chance to win team, but I think they're going to be really interesting in the pack. And uh, Mike is brings to the table. He's got a lot of punch, a lot of zip off the line, and is really good at handling in the pack. So I can see them kind of mixing it up and being spicy. And Ryan, uh, he. I, would, I think he would agree that Mike has been one of his mentors. And we've seen in the C1 races, he just came off of a win. And in, in the last uh, C1 race, I think, it, I think it was at La Festival. He, Festival, yeah, Festival. Or, no, did he win? I can't remember if it was that one or Mount Laurier. So <laughs> someone will have to listen to our last episode to to figure yeah. that out. But Correct he us, won but one. you got to listen to it to do it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> He won that outright in a in a good field, so you know I think those guys should round out our top five. But we definitely have some other other dark horses that could 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 be there. What about you, Bill? Who's your fifth pick? Boy, I uh, have to admit I have Stepka and Vincent there as well. Um, but really cool team that I think could easily be there too. Um, Real and Mike Schlimmer. Um, definitely have the potential. In, in my opinion, that's a team that could end up in fifth place at at the Classic. Um, Mike has been up there paddling um, pretty much all year, um, and Riel is going to come in in great shape, and they should be really, really fun to watch. Um, I, I think they're going to want to make sure that they don't get a position where they end up doing too much pulling or anything of that nature, um, but those two guys are so smart tactically that they can really hang on that pack if this thing turns into a pack race and have a, a great race. And I, I could see them stealing fifth place here, so I could. Yeah, I can't remember who mentioned it to me earlier this year, but they said the way Mike's been training this year, he's in top three shape. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he's he's definitely been putting in the hours, and, and he's he's really fast this year. Yep, for sure. Well, do you guys have anything else? Did we cover it all? 
I think we've got it. Um, what a great preview show for the last leg of the Triple Crown 2023 edition. Looking forward to a recap show. Uh, Ryan, Rebecca, again, fantastic night in the studio. Always great hanging out with you. Until next time, keep paddling on. Thank you for listening to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, where we love marathon canoe racing and aren't afraid to say it. Be sure to visit the website at CanoeRaceWorld.com, and don't forget to support our sponsors who make this whole thing possible. Until next time, keep paddling. Keep paddling.